This is an ABC podcast. Are you tapping on things? Tapping the dirt. You know, I find it very comforting. Now oh. you're combing. You're combing your laptop. I know, it's <laughs> filthy. Everything Is your laptop shedding? Are you combing everything your in, <laughs> Everything in my house is just covered in a fine layer of pine dust. How whimsical. On. Hello, Zan. Hello, Miff. How are you? You look nice. So do you. Look all bright and cheery. <laughs> trying. <laughs> trying. We're entering into the spring season. You are. And you've worn a white crisp shirt for yeah. the occasion. Are there any rules around wearing white? You know how in America they've got those weird, you know, white before or after Memorial Days? My main rule is I've just been living in fear that I'm going to spill something on myself mm. today. And I brought soup on the day that I'm wearing a crisp white shirt. Living on the edge. Tomato and pumpkin soup. <laughs> you need to go to the ABC sick bay and find a towel <laughs> and you need to sit at your desk with a towel around your neck. I wonder neck. if there is a sick bay. <laughs> there is. I've had a sleep in it. I was going to say that's the place where you've had a nap, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no one bothers you. Because right. really, if you're sick at work, you go home, don't you? Yes, you don't. You don't go to the sick bay to have sick, a lie down. I haven't been to a sick bay <laughs> since I reckon I was in year eight of high school. Mm. And it was always cold and sad and smelt a bit funny, smelt yeah. a bit like chemicals. Yeah, and someone, think some poor student was outside putting sawdust on your vomit that you left <laughs> on the footpath. That's all I remember. Just sawdust covers everything. Just don't even think about it. Just let it dry up and we'll deal with it later. That's what that sawdust says. This isn't a podcast about sick bays or white shirts. It's music, art, life and stuff. It's so good to see you again. Life and stuff, Zan. That is sick bays and crisp white shirts. <laughs> that allows us to go outside the realms Absolutely. of you know, whatever we want to talk about. And look, we are going to be talking about the Queen this week, but in a way that maybe you haven't seen that much of um, in the past seven days because it's dominated since the news came through. We'll get to that in just a moment. In happier news... Sorry, are we even allowed to do this podcast? Because we're on the ABC (laughs) and, quite frankly, far out. Okay, well, that gives you a little flavour of what's going to (laughs) happen. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm just going to because... (sighs) Seriously. Yeah. It's a lot. The Emmys came to our rescue this week, though. Bit of joy. We love an awards ceremony Mm. because, first of all, fashion. Second of all... Always reminds you of the shows that you haven't quite gotten to, that you may have missed when they first screened, or maybe you didn't realise that because there's just so much television and so many streaming services, you had no idea where this show even was. Or it was a show that you've seen and you'd forgotten you'd even seen it and you couldn't <laughs> couldn't work out where that person comes from. And then you go, oh, that's right. I watched eight episodes. What show was that? Was that for you? Did you really have that experience? Which one? So many people, not just one person. <laughs> Like, it's just been a long year. Yeah. It's, it's been, been a, long a lot of telly. Three years in one year. <laughs> it's been a lot of telly. Well, it was a lot of good telly. Outstanding drama went to succession. No surprises there. Outstanding comedy to Ted Lasso. Uh, Jean Smart, one of our favourites, took away Outstanding Actress in the comedy series for Hacks. Yes, brilliant. Um, did Brian Cox win for succession? No, he didn't. The oh. lead actor who won was Lee Jung-jae from Squid Game. Oh, great, great. Uh, Well well deserved. Sorry, I just said that because I saw Brian Cox speak on the weekend about succession and it was brilliant the way he said, fuck off, to the audience a million times. It was just... I need a Brian Cox button. You know how you can get those little buttons you get from novelty stores? I'm wanting with him just saying, fuck off. I could just see him trying to work it into the conversation and knew that the crowd would go wild and they I love that he leans into that. He really does. I love it. And there was also like a lot of awards, which is great to see, for White Lotus, which 
which, just in case you missed it, was a series that was put together during the pandemic, written really quickly by the incredible Mike White, where they took it to Hawaii, filmed this whole series in a bubble, and it's gone on to take out Best Limited Series uh, Mike White won for writing and directing. Jennifer mm. Coolidge took away an award and our own Murray Bartlett as well. And Jennifer Coolidge's acceptance speech goes down in the history of leaning in to the moment, <laughs> one of the best moments in awards ceremony. Did you see it? I did. Magnificent. She was being played off, basically. And she was not leaving. She was not leaving. She started to dance to the music. <laughs> and I, I just think that... If you're going to work around a situation, that's a perfect workaround. She was magnificent. Just a shimmy, a real shimmy too. Just like, I'm just going to stand here and do it. Don't play me off. That's right. I was surprised to see no awards for Better Call Saul, which just wound up. And often you see when, because I will point out that Better Call Saul has been nominated 46 times and never won an Emmy. Oh, dear. So when Modern Family was winding up... They swept the pool and I watched that and he's like, are you freaking serious, Modern Family? And I feel like they often do that when a series winds up. It's kind of like, oh, we haven't recognised them. Let's just fix it all up and do it all in the end of the series. Better Call Saul, no Emmys. Modern Family, many Emmys. There's something broken in the world. Someone pissed someone off somewhere (laughs) along the line, I feel. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) That's what the Emmys are saying to Better Call Saul. (laughs) One of the most amazing moments that I thought of the Emmys this year was from someone that I have to admit I'd never heard of before. And it's really hard, I think, these days to surprise or even shock people in an awards ceremony because they often throw a lot of gimmicks in to these shows trying to make these quote-unquote viral, viral moments. moments. Is there no worse term in the world? So awful. Make it go viral. We and want it to go viral. Audiences no. see through it. You can see exactly what's happening and there's a cynicism to it. And it's just like, no, go away. Yuck. Just yuck. But no one could have predicted that when Cheryl Lee Ralph, who won Outstanding Support Actress in a Comedy Series for a show called Abbott Elementary, when she won, everyone in the room stood up and I was watching that and I was like, they're just cheering and cheering. And it took her a while. She looked visibly shocked and it took her a while to get to the stage. Mm. And everyone's cheering. It was like, okay, they seem to know her and be supporting her. And when she finally got to the stage, this is what happened. I am an endangered species, but I sing no. Victim song. I am a woman. I am an artist. And I know where my voice belongs. Like actual goosebumps, and I've seen it. I've seen it so many times and it just makes me want to cry whenever I hear it, whenever I watch it. She's been working in film and television and on Broadway for four decades. Um, and heaps of the people would shit. Well, no, but also like people would know that and it felt like she was just so like taking that moment of validation on a mainstream level. Mm. Because whatever you think about awards ceremonies, the Emmys, the Grammys, the Oscars. They do mean something when you get it because it's a huge audience that's recognising your work. It's your peers, but it's also the public who's seeing you. And she Mm. felt very seen in that moment. And 
it was just extraordinary to watch that and she went on to basically speak in this very poetic way about never giving up, about this mm. is what it looks like, success, when you never give up and that tenacity and that belief and the belief of this showrunner on Abbott Elementary to have with her. And I, it just floored me and I want to see this show now. So I looked it up. If you're curious about Abbott Elementary, it's screening on Disney Plus in Australia. It's half an hour. Perfect for Bang Fam. Love a little half-hour morsel. Yeah. Uh, and I'm definitely going to be seeking that out. But you were telling me that Jimmy Kimmel, when the writer of this show got up and won her award, yeah, Quinta, did something really weird. Quinta Brunson won the award for Best Comedy Writing for Abbott Elementary. She's a young black woman who's doing great things. And the beginning of the spot had Jimmy Kimmel and another hosting. And part of his act was that he ended up on the floor. I I didn't, I must admit, I didn't watch the whole thing. But because <laughs> I was like, oh, God, here we go. More more funny stuff from Jimmy. Got <laughs> um, checking your watch. Yeah, I was actually. I was waiting to hear her speak. But he continued to do that bit and laid on the floor underneath her while she accepted her award. Really? It was not good. That's weird. It was. That's so disrespectful. It was really disrespectful. But it was just also. I don't know, it was out of line mm. as well, mm. completely out of line. And, yeah, I, I think he will regret that manoeuvre because it did not look good for him whatsoever. I'm going to watch Abbott Elementary, though. So am I. Very, very keen. And on Disney+, Plus, as I mentioned, which had its big fan convention over the weekend, you know what a big Disney stan I am. I know. In and fact, you know what a big Disney stan <laughs> I'm probably not. <laughs> I was at a gig um all the trailers were being released onto Instagram and I was just posting something on Instagram because um, if you don't post on Instagram, then were you even there? So I had to post that I was at Hilltop Woods Correct. on the weekend. Correct. And sorry for everyone. I did post a lot of posts, but it was a great show. <laughs> but I was looking... Do you post more when you've had a few sh- sh- Chardonnays perhaps? Um, <laughs> usually, but no, I wasn't drinking that night. Oh, no. So no, I just... I just See, I do. This is a good show. If a good I wholesome post, show. If I post a lot of... I'm just... I'm, <laughs> Just want to share it with everybody. And then you look the next day and you're like, oh, oh I've been a punisher again, haven't I? Oh, I've done too it many. Again. When the tiny little lines at the top of the Instagram stories are just like, there's too many. Just skip over, <laughs> unsubscribe. But I was, um, I saw that pop up in the middle of the show and I just, I, I, I couldn't hear it. And I was at this show and I saw like three seconds of it and I just double tapped the, the trailer for The Little Mermaid. Mm. And Phoebe, my mate who I was there with, she was like, you didn't even watch it. And I was like, it's Disney. I'm on. I'm signed on. I don't care. Whatever it is, it's good. But that was one of the things that dropped out the trailer for the new live action Little Mermaid and a big reveal, Halle Bailey of Chloe and Halle has been revealed as the Ariel in this live action reboot, which is an amazing reveal, wasn't it? Mm, Amazing. But of course it went down as something that is quite uh, controversial, which it shouldn't be. She, Ariel is now a black character and that's perfectly fine and normal. Also, there's no such thing as a issue. real mermaid. So exactly. what, what sort of history are we tying this to? And isn't it isn't it interesting the same thing happened with the, the Rings of Power has had a lot of people saying that they're upset about the portrayal of the elves who are also presented as black. And again, come on, guys, it's a fantasy. Yeah. All of it's a fantasy. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. This is ridiculous, ridiculous controversy. But what does matter is the representation that has for little black girls all over the world mm. who, you know, if I need to remind you, this is only the second time a black woman has played a Disney princess. The only other Disney princess was Tiana in The Princess and the Frog. And Little Mermaid has got to go down as one of the biggest princesses in the Disney Absolutely. 
sphere, the franchise, you know, is a huge film when it came out originally in the 90s, the animated version. Um, there's going to be a great cast alongside it too. David Diggs from Hamilton is going to be in it. Aquafina is going to, and I love her smoky, raspy voice too. She's going to be starring in it too. Um, and a bunch of other people like Javier Bardem and Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. But what that does when you know, again, you can be what you can see, and no one can be a mermaid. I know I'm putting that out there. Well, we can always dream. But the feeling of connection with little black girls all over the world, seeing a black princess in front of them on one of their favourite characters, it was just glorious. And there was heaps of TikToks shared and on social media, you saw it on Twitter, a whole bunch of parents sharing the reactions of their daughters as they watched this trailer for the very first time. Here's just one of them that I saw in the last week. It's the new Ariel. That is Ariel. That is her. That's the real her. How good is that? That's gorgeous. That's the real her. And her little face, we'll put it in the show notes, she's just like... So cute. What? That's happening? That's beautiful. So, so good. So that's been really heartwarming to see. And May 2023, I will see you at the movies. I'll be one of the annoying people singing along. Oh, God. Under the sea. (laughs) I'm a real Disney punisher, aren't I? (laughs) You hate it. No, it's fine. One day I'll drag you to Disneyland. Oh, look, I would enjoy that as long as it's only in the teacups. I don't really like rides. I just want to go in the teacups. You'd be like, I'm only going to California Adventure because they don't serve booze in the original Disneyland. <laughs> That'd be your vibe, wouldn't it? The fact that I even know that, which park serves booze. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't really know you There's could rules. have any there. Yeah, California Adventure. That's the adult Disneyland. Adult Disneyland. Well, that sounds good. Let's go there. <laughs> that sounds good. Not, not, not that we need to drink to enjoy, but that sounds like... Could be fun. Like a lot of fun. Heaps of fun, actually. Now, Miff, of course, the death of Queen Elizabeth II has dominated the media since the news came through on Friday. It will do as well, till the funeral at least, and maybe even beyond. Um, This coming Monday night, Australian Eastern Standard Time. And it's been really interesting to see the reaction to the coverage, to the Queen's death, to then the coverage that's been pretty rolling across all networks um, and also to the institution of the monarchy following Mm. this, hasn't it? Yeah. I think it's prompted a lot of discussions about the role of the monarchy and the role that it plays here in Australia, whether or not people are going to have those discussions publicly. I know that they're certainly having them in their own homes, everyone I'm talking to. There seems to be a real fear of speaking out about it, doesn't there? From politicians, from public figures, everyone's really treading carefully. Yeah, and I think that's out of respect or to be seen to be respectful at this time. Mm. But I'm not sure when else we have this conversation Um, and I think it's one that needs to be had for Australia because I think the general – look, I I could be completely wrong and might have my finger off the pulse on this, but from people that I know, the the general consensus is eventually surely will become a republic and not have uh, a figure – in the monarchy that represents, I guess, one of the most powerful positions in this country. Mm. Um, And I think a lot of people are having those discussions and I'm just not sure where it will lead after this. I do hope, though, um, me personally, as, as I've always said, I detest the monarchy but I've always loved the royals. However, um, I, I do think this is probably a good time 
to start making some moves for us as a country, to start fresh. As as most people would know, if they know me, I've always been a Republican and I'll be really interested to see where that discussion goes. Yeah. I think that, that there's that great line about, you know, you can walk and chew gum at the same time and this separation of, oh, you know, you need to be respectful and, and, and be reverent about the death of the Queen. Absolutely. Um, but the very notion of what happens after that, which is that seeing the in the days that follow, King Charles is now the King of Australia. And seeing that headline it made me go, oh, okay. Oh, that's right, we're still in this. Mm. And I think that because so many of us grew up in a Queen Elizabeth's time and it's always been that way, that that is what we roll with. But when there's a shifting, and there is, there's a shifting of power, there's a new person mm. as, you know, reigning over England, the realms, the Commonwealth. I love that they pulled out the term the realm. We haven't used that term for a long, long time. And I think I'm most familiar with it from Game of Thrones. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's right, we are part of the realm. Yeah, and it does. That stuff shakes you up because you're like, it's almost like it shakes you up from a dream because you're like, oh, that's right, we're still in this. Mm. And even though I think many of us, myself included for the most part, see it as more um, uh, something symbolic and doesn't really play into our lives, we still technically have a foreign head of state. Uh, we now have you know, a king that we are pledging our allegiance to um, and it shakes us back into that reminder that we are part of the Commonwealth, which in the very diverse Australia that we live in and over the course of the 70 years that Queen Elizabeth did reign, that diversity has only grown more and more, it's kind of like maybe it doesn't mince so well with that structure. Yeah. So this is a good time to talk about that. And if not now, then when? Which is something that we I think we always come up against when there's something that is um, difficult or sad or shocking or dangerous or whatever in Australian politics. And it's like, no, we can't talk about that. It's like, if not now, then when? Mm. These The reasons that we're having this reaction is exactly why we should be talking about it now. And I think that when we reflect on the Queen's legacy, legacy is also about looking forward. So we should be free to discuss what the future looks like instead of just accepting the status quo. Mm. Nothing's going to change anytime soon. I think that we all know that. And I think that also it's worth reminding people that with the you know, strong desire and pitch from the current government for Indigenous Australians to have a voice to parliament, that is their focus for this first term of government, putting a referendum in about whether or not we stay within the realms, the Commonwealth, mm. is not going to be part of this first term of government. And I support the focus on the voice to parliament for Indigenous yes. Australians 100%. I think that that shouldn't be diluted or muddied. But I'm still glad that we're discussing it and I think that... Um, Again, these many varied responses to the death of the Queen, you can't just sort of say, shut people down. First of all, free speech, it applies to everyone, reminding all the people who are complaining about certain things that are said, it applies to everyone. But also, it just really ignores the diversity of opinion in a very diverse Australia. And that was no more evident in the response of the NRL to a player the Newcastle Knights fullback mm. and Indigenous woman Caitlin Moran for an Instagram post that she put out and the response to that by the NRL. Yeah, the NRL has suspended her for one match. They have docked her pay as well and she's deleted the post, obviously, but they have declared, the NRL have deemed that post to have done damage to the game and I think this is really interesting because 
as you said, so many different perspectives on the role of the monarchy in this country. And I think if you're an Indigenous person, and I'm not in a position to speak about it, but colonialism has had a huge effect on you and your ancestors' lives. And uh, you're free to have any kind of opinion you like. And it's not my job to police that whatsoever. But what's also interesting is is that the NRL chose to actually comment on this and take a stance in such a way that seems far stronger for something like this than it has for some of the more recent issues that have happened in the NRL, um, including violence against women. There are so many examples of that. Um, Recently, a player was uh, charged with child pornography. But uh, there's this great tweet that comes from someone called Cheek Medieco is their name. And It said, male sports commentators who scream for the protection of free speech when it came to Israel Folau suddenly find Knights player Caitlin Moran's comments offensive and a top priority of the NRL's integrity unit. The hypocrisy is unsurprisingly blatant. Constantly, women are held to a higher standard than men in all industries, but especially sport. Yet again, the messaging is reinforced. You are not welcome here. This space is not for you. Accountability looks different for women, for First Nations people and for all marginalised voices. Our views are not respected, nor do they warrant a response from men who believe we are inherently inferior. They won't debate our views, they simply condemn them. And I think that's pretty powerful. Um, Regardless of your opinion or position, the tweet continues on Moran's comments, the notion that commentary on the Queen is the most reprehensible thing ever connected to rugby league, a sport plagued by physical and sexual violence, is not only inflammatory but dangerous. And I thought that kind of sums it up. Nailed it. Before we move on from the the Queen's death, we also lost another huge figure in Australia this week too. Yeah. With the very shocking and sudden passing of Uncle Jack Charles. Beautiful Uncle Jack Charles, who we both saw just recently. Weeks ago. The Melbourne International Film Festival. Yeah. And uh, he presented A Welcome to Country, but also a, a beautiful history of his role with the festival. You saw it more than me because I was backstage. I couldn't hear all the words. Had a great yarn. He's just, he's the kind of guy that every room that he would be in, he would just light it up. Like he's just a magical human. And he seemed very sprightly. You know, he was out and about. He, that was him. He was, you always saw him around Melbourne. So I was really shocked when I saw that he'd passed away due to a stroke. And you, you felt that loss, particularly in Victoria, where I think he's very well known as part of the community, but across Australia for his legacy and his story. Incredibly well loved. And his life has been one of the most difficult, I think you could possibly imagine. I know I banged on about his episode of Who Do You Think You Are? Mm. It was probably about a year ago. It really moved me. It was extraordinary. And if you want a background on on who he is and and where he comes from, this is the ideal thing to watch, I think, out of respect for him and the role that he's played. I mean, he came from such difficult circumstances. He was part of the Stolen Generations. Mm. Uh, He lived uh, a, a difficult life of crime, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, all of that played into his life, but he managed to drag himself out and became one of the most phenomenal, I guess, advocates for... Indigenous Australians that you could possibly ever wish for. He was just a wonderful person who who did no one any ill will as far as I can gather. He led with light, didn't he? And yeah. I saw a lot of people talking about that. I saw Baker Boy post actually because he was on the Baker Boy record, um, debut record mm. on a song called Survive. And, yeah, he reflected on just how hard a life he'd, he'd lived but he always led with, with positivity mm. and sharing his story and the power in sharing his story but always... 
um, leading with with joy and, and and positivity, which I think is an incredible feat for someone who's experienced what what he did. Yep. And just beautiful to be around. Um, he was a proud Boonwurrung, Jajawurrung, Woiwurrung and Yorta Yorta elder. And he was involved in so many beautiful works of art. Definitely check out his episode of Who Do You Think You Are on SBS On Demand. There's a whole slate of programs on ABC iView, remembering Uncle Jack Charles and also the ABC Listen app. And um, if you spend some time with his voice and his stories, you'll feel better for it. So rest in peace, um, rest in the dreaming, Uncle Jack Charles. Hey, before we bang on Zan, some exciting news. I'm going to be turning on my television on Tuesday night. Whatever for? For a new television show (laughs) that I've been dying to see so much. And guess what? It's called Take Five. (laughs) Are you how you feeling? It's happening. I'm so nervous. I know. I'm excited though. I've been working on this show for many, many months, travelled to the States to capture some beautiful conversations, recorded uh, some of the episodes in my hometown of Melbourne as well and I'm so proud of it and Mm. I really can't wait to share it. So we've been working hard to to make it, um, to bring you these incredible stories and it's all going to be finally revealed on 8pm this Tuesday night on ABC TV and streaming on iview. So you've, of course, seen the first episode. I've seen all of them. I was in it too. Yeah, you remember. (laughs) Like being in it. No, but there is a difference to being in it and seeing it. Are you happy with it? I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Are you nervous though about it going out there to the world. Yeah, because I think that like it's partially like a there's going to be a bunch of people who watch it who have no idea who I am or what Take 5 is, but then there's a whole bunch of people who have been listening for years and years Mm. and I just want to honour what it is. And I think that we have honoured what the Take 5 is, which is beautiful, very intimate conversation. Mm. Um, It's shot in a gorgeous way. Everyone that we worked with just put so much love into it. And all the guests just like the Take 5 on radio and on the podcast, just they shared so much. And I think that's the thing with Take 5, like when people start talking about their favourite songs and the Mm. songs that really impacted them at certain moments in their life, they don't realise that they're sort of opening up this other part of their their brain and their memory bank. You get into some some really deep territory. So, yeah, we're going to see it all and... um, and watch some beautiful, beautiful conversations. And also they gave us some amazing archive too. So Guy Pierce is kicking it off on Tuesday night. The Guy Naissance continues. He oh, gave us some beautiful photos of his family when he was very young. Oh, gosh. Um, and, I'm crying yeah. already. It's going to be amazing because <laughs> I know that backstory and yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a difficult story. I, I mean, prepare yourselves. I'm preparing myself for it. He's a beautiful man as well. What a way to start. Yeah, he's oh. gorgeous and really funny too and down to earth and beautiful, yeah. all those things. And can you give us a hint of one of his songs that he might have picked? Because um, he's a musician himself, so I'm, I really have no idea what he would have picked. I'll tell you this. He loves feeling things. Mm-hmm. I think he said something to me like, I, I like music that tears me apart. Oh, God. <laughs> Prepare yourself some more. Yeah, can't wait. So it's going to be deep feeling. Oh. But I would love Bang Fam to get behind it. Yeah. Um, watch it as it goes out at 8pm on Tuesday night, ABC Tweet about TV. It. Tweet about it. Tell your friends, yeah. tell your family. Let's get some Bang Fam, uh, like, high traffic on, yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> I know. I know that Bang Fam will come through. They do. I have faith in you, Bang Fam. They do. You've always been beautiful supporters of the little things that Miff and I have done, so thank you for mm. 
for getting behind Take 5. And yeah. I hope I make you proud. Oh, you will. You will. Like a proud auntie. I'm already <laughs> proud. I'm already crying. Well, what are you banging on about this week? Oh, my God. Speaking of um, Renaissance, Heartbreak High is Oh, my back. God. I'm so keen to watch. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to yet. It's the best. It's the best of It ever. works. The reboot works. It, the reboot works. Great. Now, we all know that it, it started way back in 1993, I think, or 94, with the Heartbreak Kid. When you think about the premise of that particular show, it wouldn't fly today. <laughs> <laughs> Claudia Carvin as the teacher who falls in love with her student, Alex Dimitriatis. But it was so hot, That's illegal. I have to say. It's actually illegal, but it was so hot back yeah. in the day. Um, and then there was a spin-off television series here in Australia that went global as well because it dealt with really kind of gritty themes about growing up as a teenager here in Australia. And it was a much more multicultural show than perhaps we'd seen before mm. as well. And that was really exciting and it was great television and they've done a new series and from what I've seen thus far, I haven't watched uh, more than two episodes, but it has not done it a disservice whatsoever. It's excellent. It's absolutely excellent. Are there it's... any rack-offs involved in the new reboot of Heartbreak <laughs> Rack off. Rack off. I haven't spotted a rack off yet, but there's some good. That was of a time. There is some good contemporary language, some some words. I'm sorry, contemporary yeah, language some myth. words that the young folk <laughs> use that I hadn't heard before. So I was like, oh, this is good. I must be learning something. So it's an education as well. <laughs> contemporary language. Contemporary language, yes. Um, no, it's it's great. And I, I highly recommend the cast are gorgeous, uh, really interesting and really funny. That the, the writing is beautiful. I think Maria Carty is involved in the writing. I saw team. Maine White's also written an episode too. Yeah, so yeah. there's a whole lot of really top shelf creative people who've come together to put this show together and um, I think it's going to be a hit. Unreal. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people loving the shit out of it so that's what I'm going to dig into this weekend. Mm. I think it's going to be more shitty weather in Melbourne this weekend so yeah. I'm going to just <laughs> plop myself in front of the telly and burn through Heartbreak High. And rock back and forth because you know your TV show's coming on <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> Take me to a happy place. I've fully got the will people turn up to my party anxiety. Oh. Always a good time. No, Bang Fam will have you back. They always do. Thank so you, Bang good. Fam. Yeah. Um, what are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a beautiful book that I read and just whipped through because it's by one of my favourite writers. I read everything that Chloe Hooper does. She was the author of The Tall Man, also The Arsonist. Yes. She wrote a fantastic feature a couple of months ago about Jackie Lambie in The Monthly. She's just a beautiful writer um, and very empathetic writer as well. And this latest story is incredibly personal. It's the story of her partner, who's also a writer, Don Watson, famous political writer, used to be Paul Keating's speechwriter, mm. uh, in case you missed it. And he is diagnosed with a very rare and very aggressive illness. And she and he have two young children and all of a sudden she has to figure out first how she manages this as they're trying to seek treatment, but also how she how and when she communicates this and they communicate this to their two sons. And so she starts looking to the bookshelf because she's a writer, he's a writer, this is how they understand the world. Stories help us understand the world around us and help us tell our story to others. And in doing that, this kind of memoir becomes not just a very personal memoir of Don's illness and the impact on the family, but about the history of children's storytelling and how it does or doesn't deal with death. And she's not only a great writer, but through all the books that she's done, which have been, you know, dealing with Aboriginal deaths in custody, with the Black Saturday bushfires. She's a great researcher too. She really does her work. And so she's gone through all of these 
classic children's tales of Brothers Grimm, Hans Christian Andersen, you know, Tolkien, Dahl, all of them, and sort of really figured out how these writers communicate death. Um, and even more recent ones like Philip Pullman, whose books I love, and the Harry Potter books and how they deal with death. And it's just so beautiful. And like I said, I just read it in a couple of days. And I don't have children, but I think that if you had kids, and particularly if you dealt with illness in your family um, or having to have hard conversations, this would be a really rich read for you. Mm. But even if you don't have any of that, it's just so, I don't know, it's one of those books where you sort of just take a step back and go, okay, this is what matters. And all this noise. Mm. Noise that we often talk about every week because we have fun with it, but it is just kind of noise. I went just as an aside to a great book launch of a friend of ours, Jacinta Parsons, last night, and another writer was saying she's learnt recently that nobody's listening and no one cares in terms of social media. Oh, totally. And I was like, "That's it's funny and it's, you know, it's quite cutting, but it's also very grounding. Nobody's listening, no one cares. Yeah. Just take yourself out of it and think about your own orbit. And this is a book about thinking about your own orbit. I've been I've been thinking that anyway, <laughs> as my book's about to come out. And I'm going, no one reads books. No, no one reads books. No one, cares. no one cares. No one reads books. No one cares. No, but I want people to read books, obviously. But I just also kind of go, no one cares. I care. No one cares. I'm they're, looking forward to reading your book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm listening um, and reading. Yeah, but it's beautiful. So um, there is a lot of noise out there, and yeah, there is so. a lot of noise. It's. I think that these little moments are very grounding, and they I, I, they often happen when you talking about death or severe illness, those moments that kind of shake you out of the, you know, minutiae of every day and the bullshit of every day. It's We shouldn't have to rely on big events to do that um, and maybe this is a way for you to take a step in, you know, walk in someone else's shoes to be reminded that the things that you think that matter don't necessarily matter that much mm. and maybe spend your time on the things that do because yeah. our time is finite. That is true. And with that mortality talk... <laughs> Always thinking about death. Yeah. Makes me feel more alive. <laughs> You've gone mad. I've got the crazy look in my eyes, don't I? No, it's good. Keeps you on your toes. It does. Oh, you got them? It does. That's true. That's true. Enjoy your toes while you have them, everyone. That's the takeaway from today's Bang On. We have been talking about a lot of death, you know. Mm, that's true. But we're alive and we're here. You're alive. <laughs> oh, have a great week. And um, Chookers for the show on Tuesday. Thanks, babes. Can't wait. Bye. Bye. on. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.